Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I am the lead pastor. Really appreciate you coming on out, particularly celebrating Christmas with us. Today, we are wrapping up our Christmas series that we've been calling Do Not Be Afraid. And for the last three weeks, we've been taking a look at three different stories that um, surround the birth of Jesus. And what we've seen and what we'll see today is that every single time an angel appeared in the Christmas story to whether it was Mary or Joseph or the shepherds, he always, without fail, said, don't be afraid. Fear not. Do not be afraid. And each week we're diving into why these particular individuals were afraid, why they didn't need to be afraid, and ultimately why we don't need to be afraid either. So if you haven't been with us on this journey, in week one we looked at Mary's story and we talked about our fear of God's plans. This is a fear that... I think a lot of us have. We might not want to admit it, but it's, it's a fear of, of what God might have planned for our lives. And what we learned is that for as good as our plans are, and we have a lot of great plans, God often has something better in mind. And there's going to be times when God steps into your life and interrupts your plans and invites you to do something different, something greater. He'll give you new purpose. Last week, we took a look at Joseph And we spoke about our fear of what others may think of us, this fear that is definitely baked into our DNA, this desire to be liked by everybody, to seek others' approval. And what we learned is that when God steps into your life and challenges you to do something different, others might not agree. In fact, they might even disapprove of of what you're doing. But ultimately, we have to learn how to live for an audience of one, that is God. And When we say yes to his plans, we have no idea what we set into motion. We have no idea how that could impact our lives and the lives of other people and perhaps even the world. So today as we wrap up, I want to turn our attention to the shepherds. Now, if you've been around DHC for any length of time, you know that I love the shepherds. Okay, I can't get enough of these guys. I just love them, all right? Every pastor, I think, has certain messages that they just love to preach, certain topics that... God has kind of put on our individual hearts to preach most boldly. For example, one topic that God has really impressed upon me to continually challenge you guys about is what I call the comparison trap. The absolute dangers uh, that exist in comparing ourselves to other people. And it's why I consistently, I mean, I even did this last week, point out the dangers of social media. I, I, I love Instagram. I love it. But I hate what it does to people. I I hate that it kind of lures us into bragging. It lures us into comparing. And and, and so often we we find ourselves putting things out there for public consumption that are just simply not true. They're just a, a facade. And when you do that, you damage yourself. You damage other people. And I'm I'm gonna preach about it until they take my microphone away. But the other topic that God has put on my heart is the fear we're gonna talk about today, and that is our fear of where we stand with God. That is, when we look at our lives, okay, and we look at who we are and what we've done or perhaps what we haven't done or how we stack up against other people, again, comparison trap, we're left wondering, am I good enough for God? Like for those of you who are here today who actually believe in God, you you believe that there is more to this life than just this life, that, that something really does happen to you when you die. A lot of times, in a quiet, honest moment, we ask, 
well, what's going to happen to me? Where, where do I stand with God? Are, are, are God and I good? This is a question that the shepherds would ask, would ponder. But they already had their answer. Society already answered this question for them. Religion already answered this question for them. See, when the shepherds asked, am I good enough for God, the answer was made very clear to them. No. No. And so as we wrap up this Christmas series, I want to do like a hybrid Bible study slash sermon because there is so much going on here. And I want to talk about why these shepherds felt, and that's an important word, felt as though they weren't good enough for God. And my hope is that if you feel the same way, you'll leave today knowing that not only does God love you, but that he sent his son into this world specifically for you just as you are. So today's story begins in Luke chapter 2. Um, for the last two weeks, we've been looking at um, the pregnancy announcement. Jesus is now officially born. Luke tells us that Mary, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So Luke paints this classic picture scene, the manger scene as we kind of call it. Um, now, to make sure we understand what we're looking at and, and what Luke was talking about, the manger is not this kind of barn thing. I think a lot of us think that's the manger. This is the manger right here. Okay? A manger is a feeding trough. So just think about that for a second. God himself is resting comfortably in a wooden box that animals eat out of. You know, meanwhile, our babies need you know, organic Egyptian cotton sheets and, and sound machines. Guilty as charged. Different sermon for a different day. Anyway, enter the shepherds. Luke says, that night there were shepherds staying in fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. So just outside of town, maybe like not even a mile, there were these pastures. And these shepherds are out there, and they're minding their own business. It's, it's pitch black. It's midnight. It's cold. They're probably eating you know, beans out of cans, you know, looking like Rip from Yellowstone. And you wish, ladies. <laughs> More like teeter, probably. So when out of nowhere, this gigantic angel appears, and it says the radiance of the Lord's glory. Surra- I don't even know what that is. Okay? That sounds bright. So this is quite a sight. And Luke tells us that they were terrified. This is Bethlehem, um, and based on the fact that it's Bethlehem, Scripture tells us that these men would have regularly had to fight off lions and bears as part of the job. David, we know David was a shepherd in Bethlehem. He tells us that he had to fight off lions and bears, and so these guys are well acquainted with scary situations, okay? But there's something about God appearing in their presence that absolutely shook them to their core. It terrified them. Or we're getting to why, but first, look what the angel says. He says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. All right? So it's like a, okay, right? They, they breathe a sigh of relief. Because what we're going to learn is that these shepherds are the kind of guys who would say things like, you know, if I stepped inside of a church, the roof would catch on fire. I, I got friends that I often invite to DHC, and it's always like, okay, well, thank you, but, you know, if I showed up, lightning would hit the building. Maybe that's you. Okay. Maybe a friend or a family member invited you today. They've been begging you for weeks to come. They finally dragged you. They promised you brunch afterwards. You reluctantly showed up, but the whole time you're kind of just like checking the ceiling to see what's going to happen. 
If that's you, you're not alone. These shepherds, well, because of what religion said about them and because of what society said about them, they were made to believe that if God showed up in their lives, it, it, it couldn't be good news. There's no way this is a good, this is a, this is a bad thing because as they believed, you know, God and I aren't good. I don't, I don't stack up. I, I'm, I'm not good enough for God. And so they were terrified. So what was going on in their lives that made them feel this way? Well, the first thing that they were dealing with is that these shepherds felt unworthy. And maybe you do too. And it is so sad what these men had to endure. So according to Jewish custom, these shepherds were considered to be ceremonially unclean. Now, I'm not talking about physically dirty. They probably were. Um, I'm talking about spiritually unclean. According to the law of Moses, this is Old Testament stuff now, you were either in one of two states before God. You were either clean or unclean, right? Spiritually clean, spiritually unclean. And if you followed all the rules and all the regulations, if you ate the right foods and avoided the wrong foods, if you wore the right clothes and you know, avoided the wrong clothes, if you hung out with the right people, you get what I'm going here? You do all that, then you and God are good. But if you're like the shepherds and you happen to work with animals, <clears throat> no good. If you were around dead animals, that's a problem. If you're around blood, manure, you were unclean, which meant you and God were not good. And since they were ceremonially unclean, it, it meant that they had no access to the temple. They, in other words, they couldn't go to church. They couldn't even step inside the building because of the job that they had. And if they ever tried to enter the church, they were given the stiff arm from worshiping with their fellow Jews. So not only did they feel unworthy, they also felt inadequate. Because when they looked at what their fellow Jews were doing, they just couldn't do what they were doing. For example, because they were unclean and they couldn't go into the temple, well, that meant they had no access to Scripture. See, today we all have access to the Bible. You want one, you can get one. It's on your phone. You can order one on Amazon, have it by 5 p.m. They're in every hotel room. I mean, if you want one within an hour, you can have one. 2,000 years ago, there was only one copy. It was scrolls, and it was located at the temple. So if you wanted to read it or more likely have it read to you, you had to go there. But they couldn't, right? And, and so if everybody else is, is learning and growing in their relationship with God, these shepherds were prevented. While everybody else is in the temple participating in religious ceremonies and holidays, the shepherds were prevented. And what's worse, since they couldn't go into the temple, well, they had no access to sacrificial offerings. The most important activity that took place in that temple was the sacrificing of animals for the forgiveness of sins. That's how it worked back then. But since these shepherds couldn't step inside the temple, they could never sacrifice which means they could never have their sins forgiven. And here's the irony of all of this. According to theologians, these particular shepherds, based on where they were tending these flocks locally, were most likely in charge of what's called the temple flock. These guys kept safe the very sheep that were used for sacrifices. And in doing so, it made them unclean, thereby preventing them from benefiting from the very sheep they kept safe. You talk about a catch-22. So these shepherds had zero access to the temple. They had zero access to scripture. They had zero access to the forgiveness of sins, which made them feel like they had zero connection to God. They felt very distant from him. 
they knew he existed. They knew he forgave sins, that, but they felt as though he didn't even know their names. And why would he, right? I mean, they, they, they didn't measure up. They weren't good enough. That's what religion told them. That's what society made them feel. And maybe that's you too. Maybe you're here today and you feel the exact same way. I mean, you just feel distant from God. Especially during the Christmas season. Because you look around at everybody else and everybody else looks, you know, so Christmassy. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't have that. I don't, uh, I mean, I know what I've done. I know what I should do. I, I, I don't do it. I, and you just feel very disconnected from God. That was the shepherds. And lastly, and again, maybe this is you too, the shepherds felt unloved. See, in Judaism, there was something called the Mishnah. The Mishnah is the written version of Jewish oral law. Okay, So it's not the Bible. Before we get into this, I want to make sure you know it's not the Bible. It is not the Old Testament. It is not even the Word of God. The, the Mishnah is the word of, of religious leaders. In the Mishnah, it teaches that shepherds are thieves. Literally, that's what it teaches. I pulled up the source so you can read it with your own eyes. The Mishnah states, one may not purchase wool, milk, or goats from the shepherds who tend the flocks of others due to the concern that they may have stolen these items from the owners of the flocks. In other words, it says, when you think of a shepherd, you should just automatically think thief. Like we got zero proof that these goods are stolen, but based on the fact that they're a shepherd, you should just assume it's stolen because they're all a bunch of crooks. Mishnah also teaches that shepherds were incompetent. I mean, imagine if Christianity had a second set of rules outside of the Bible that stated that, you know, uh, teachers or, or construction workers as a group are incompetent. In fact, shepherds were viewed as being so incompetent, so untrustworthy, that they weren't even allowed to give testimony inside of a court. I mean, these poor guys. They're made to feel so low, so unworthy, so inadequate, so unloved. It is no wonder that they asked a question that tragically some of you might be asking today. How could God love me? So you might not be a shepherd, but you've got some stuff going on in your life, don't you? And when you look back over your life, you've gone through some things. Heartbreak, abuse, your marriage is in a mess. There's addiction issues, anger issues. Maybe society looks at your life. Maybe some church looked at your life and said, no, you, you're no good. And you have been made to feel unworthy, inadequate, and unloved. See, religion and society told those shepherds, you can't go to God, okay? You don't measure up. You don't, you don't, you don't stack up. You and God are not good. These men felt like they could not go to God. So, God went to them. And he wanted to make sure they didn't miss it. And so he sent his most powerful angel to deliver the most powerful message the, word would, the world would ever hear. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. All people, okay? Rich, poor, young, old, shepherds, priests, kings, slaves, Democrats, Republicans. If you got a heartbeat, God's got some good news for you. 
that no matter what society may have said about you, no matter what some church may have said about you, no matter what your family may think of you, no matter what you may even think about yourself, God's got some good news for you. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. This right here amounts to the greatest announcement the world has ever heard. And God in his infinite wisdom, who has been waiting for this moment since the beginning of time, hand delivers it to the shepherds, to the ones who are outcasts, to the ones who can't even step inside of a church, to the ones that nobody trusts. You see, God loves to blow away our stereotypes. He loves it. He loves to just surprise us with what he's going to do, but he's not done. Watch, watch what happens next. Suddenly it says, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So we just heard the greatest announcement ever. Now we're witnessing the greatest divine spectacle ever. Like you got the resurrection and then this. And I want to make sure you see, really understand how spectacular this really is. When these men looked up into that sky, Luke tells us they saw a vast host of others. In the Greek, when Luke wrote this, he used the word stratia here, which means like constellations. In other words, there were as many angels as there were stars in the sky. I can't even fathom what that would look like. And all I'm left to wonder is why did God plan this divine display for such despised people? I mean, you think about it. You're going to make this announcement. He, he, he could have brought it to Caesar, most important man in the world. He could have brought this announcement to, to, to religious leaders, but he brought it to the shepherds, the lowest of the low. Why? Because 2,000 years earlier, or I should say thousands of years earlier, in the Garden of Eden, God set into motion a plan to save us from our sins. And that night, under those stars, to those shepherds, God was ready to announce to the world that the message of Jesus is for everyone. God wanted those shepherds to know and he wanted us to know that you are never too low or too insignificant or too forgotten for God. That night, 2,000 years ago, God was officially making a statement that no matter who you are or what you've done, God is for everyone. You see, the good news of Christmas is that you never ever ever have to worry about where you stand with God. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And the most important part of this verse is the part we always miss, verse 17, the very next verse. God sent his son into this world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Those shepherds had been judged their whole lives. You may have been judged your whole life. And perhaps because of the treatment of some religious people, you have been led to believe that God judges you as well. God loves you. He loves you dearly, just as you are. And he sent his son into this world for you. You see, the reason God came to those shepherds is because God came for those shepherds. And he knew because he knew their hearts that they would listen and they would respond. Just because God speaks doesn't mean we listen. 
And just because we listen doesn't mean we respond. God was looking and is looking for people who will respond to his call, to people who know they are in need of a savior. And sure enough, God was right. Those shepherds listened and they responded. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Luke says that they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. I love how it says they hurried. Okay? They wasted no time. And when they got there, I can only imagine what it was like for those shepherds to peer into the eyes of the Savior, their Savior. Story wraps up. It says, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Their lives and the world will be changed forever. So what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at Downtown Harbor Church, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So if there is one thing that we have learned over the course of this series, it is that God has a plan for your life. Scripture is clear. God has a plan for your life. He had a plan for Mary. He had a plan for Joseph's life. He had a plan for the shepherd's lives. And I know that he has a big plan for your life as well. God's plan begins when you say yes. Imagine having the confidence to know that no matter what you go through in this life, the ups, the downs, the victories, the defeats, imagine knowing with complete confidence that God is working all of that together for your future good. Imagine knowing once and for all beyond a shadow of a doubt that you and God are good. That you don't ever have to worry about behaving your way into God's good graces because God sent his son Jesus to do all that for you. You see, every other religion teaches that you gotta do something to get to God. But the story of Christmas teaches that God came to you. In the middle of your mess, God came to you. And you don't need to do anything to be made right with God. All you gotta do say yes to his son. So, will you? Will you receive God's gift? Will you accept this free gift of, of eternal life, this relationship between you and your heavenly father? We talked about this last week. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. You don't have to understand everything to say yes to something. And today, you might be like, John, I don't, I don't fully understand this, okay? But there's something inside of me that says it's true, okay? There's, there's, there's something inside of me that says Jesus is who he is, and, and I need him in my life. Don't wait. Don't wait, okay? Be like those shepherds. Listen, respond, and hurry to your heavenly Father. Say yes, I believe. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, it's difficult to put into words how grateful for we are for what you did that Christmas Eve. Lord, you never gave up on this world. 
And from the moment it fell, you never gave up. You chased us down. And finally, you sent your son to bring us home, God. And I pray that today, every single person in this room would say yes to him, would embrace this gift of salvation, eternal life, to entering into a relationship with you, one that starts today immediately and goes into eternity. Lord, we're just so profoundly grateful for everything that you have done and will continue to do in our lives and in this world. And we ask all of this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name.